There, fucking Mike, or what are you doing? No, we're recording. Oh, we're recording. Yeah. Okay. All right. You always, I think you did this last week. You're like, hey, I'm gonna try to blow out this speaker. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if people uh, like that. Do no, they? No, I don't think so. No, I did that. I don't think that made it in the episode, did it? I couldn't even tell you. Me neither. I don't remember anything. <laughs> you we were do editing. Ever. I know. <laughs> That's the problem. I love when people are like, oh my god, this, this, and this happened on the episode. I'm like. I wish my memory didn't automatically erase what happens. Oh, yeah. My RAM's record. gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I got nothing. <laughs> and then I edit it, and, and then it just deletes again. So it doesn't matter how many times I hear it. You don't, Other people's podcasts, I can like, remember every word yeah. after I hear it. Ours, yeah. not even a not even a. <laughs> but I think that's a plight along all podcasters, to be honest with you. That could be. Because you're doing it so often, you're just kind of like... And I like, don't even remember. And we're focusing on ten different things at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Can I? I want to ask you something here. Um, so there's like two, two or three of the doctors at work who are like kind of in the uh, crypto farming thing, and they were just talking about the 3080s. They had a big thing. They were coming on to sale at uh, the Best Buy somewhere. They had like 50 of them. And I guess there's people camping out for like over a day. Wow. What the fuck? How, okay, how old are those graphics for the 3080? Year? They this came out year. last summer, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. And they you- shouldn't be camping out for them. Why is there better? No, I just mean like that they're old enough to where that shouldn't be <laughs> happening anymore. <laughs> well, apparently those ones... Uh, you can resell them for like triple the price. Yeah, that's the problem. I, you know what? Fucking those crypto people are ruining the gaming world. Goddamn, Cody. It. You want to know the best example of mm. of crypto? And it's changed a little bit because guess what? It has become legitimate. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to buy low and sell high. That was fun. Okay. And now, now that it's back down to like thirty five, thirty six thousand, whatever, it's fine. But it's like idling your car. If I gave you one Dave and Buster's dollar for <laughs> idling your car for two hours, yeah, that's basically what what mining for crypto is. It's the biggest waste of electricity. Yeah, it's killing the planet. Yeah, it probably because what is it? You would ha- you have to farm like six months to get like point oh 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 one percent of a Bitcoin or something like that. <laughs> It's it's you're you're paying you're you're using your computing power. You're uh, offload. You're selling it. But mm. it's it's just dumb. <laughs> I imagine your dumb. electric bill is going to cost more. You know what? Speaking of electric bill, and this should be be probably a racket with Excel. They fuck they fucking emailed me and they're like, "Hey, would you like to start using wind energy?" So I'm like, uh, "Sure, yeah, probably." Like, oh, you have to pay an extra five dollars to use that. Like, what the fuck? The point of renewable energy 
is to have energy that everybody can have without destroying the planet. Yeah. And you want to make them pay more to use renewable energy. The fuck is wrong with you? That's backwards. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> you fucking cocksuckers. What you know is... they're not going to give up a fight. No. Without a fight. You know damn well they're not assholes. They can put out as many commercials as they mm-hmm. want about carbon free by 2050, but they do not want that. No. 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 Sir. Not unless they can uh, get a hold of all of the funds with it. Absolutely. The exclusive rights yeah. to wind power. That's <laughs> the only way that they would be happy. Hon- honestly, the aliens coming here, that might be their worst enemy. Wind power? Well, like, if the aliens have a renewable energy um, that's non, like, environment, is environmentally friendly, that would kill all of those industries. Gas, uh, coal, all of that. And that so. was the point of Batman 3, wasn't it? I think so. Uh, Dark Knight Returns, Rises 4. What is The squeakening. It? Yeah, because uh, Bruce was working on that renewable energy ball. I thought it was just a bomb. No, it was a big renewable energy ball, and all the rich people were fucking pissed because it would have equalized the playing field. So gotcha. Bane had to lead a revolution through Tali Al Ghul, and then he gets jobbed <laughs> the fuck out at the end. God, what a worthless villain. I, people loved him in that. I did too, but he, I was young. Yeah, he. I feel like that's not his original uh character arc i think he was retconned a little bit yeah he was a mexican scientist that <laughs> yeah. was scrawny and then took poison and became a monster man. yeah that's what bane yeah. was that's a good leeway into our episode here adam oh hello everybody welcome to another episode of the bumble butt podcast the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly who knows what it'll be about this week it's not me my name is adam sitting across from me ever ever is cody hello hello adam how's How your we- week uh whew, this was a challenging week. Let's just say that I, I okay. We'll put depression as a baseline. Obviously, Ooh. that is just that's just there as normal, right? And then we had uh, <laughs> quitting. There's depression. Quitting vaping on the third day right now, and I want to literally blow my head off. Um, and then I've had that repeated like shoulder nerve problem popped up again. I'm not kidding you. This is like the fourth time within the last year. I was just sitting there. And all of a sudden, it's like this searing pain down Ugh. my neck and shoulder. And it took, it's it still kind of hurts right now, but for the most part, it's like calmed down. And that is not a good nerve to get no. inflamed. Ever, that ever since the car accident, it like will randomly just pop up. I, I, well, that's probably what did it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Should I go to the doctor? Probably. Ask him if they'll just take it out. <laughs> just take it out. <laughs> my whole arm probably won't work. I don't need this nerve. <laughs> Like, honestly, I don't know if it's, like, pinched in a bone somewhere or what. It's just, like, the times I've done it, uh, once I woke up with it, that time I was literally just sitting there and it happened. One time I sneezed and it triggered Mm -hmm. it. And then I think another time it just, like, bent a funny way or something. So I don't know what it is, but it is so annoying. And, and, like, ibuprofen doesn't help it. or (laughs) Like, it kind of helps it. I have to heat it and kind of not move and yeah it's real annoying yeah which real annoying it's kind of opposite of of working yeah you have to move your arms yeah but anyway that's my week how was your week awesome i was in (laughs) sunny las vegas cody i i didn't have any nerve problems Mm -hmm. my legs are sore from yeah from humping around the gosh dang desert yeah i mean that's to be expected though yeah well zach baggins museum 100 percent go to zach baggins 10 10 out of 10 you would recommend even the dumb 
Like, you know, they you know they have to do showman stuff like this is the scariest yeah. thing. You gotta sign all these waivers that says you won't be mad if you're haunted <laughs> afterwards and blah blah blah. <laughs> of course, whatever. All the dumb showmen get you yeah. hyped up. But the tour guides, fantastic. Ooh. The objects, fantastic. Could use a little more light. You can't mm. really read any of the mm. descriptions in some of the things. Like I had to both put my glasses on <laughs> and like get right on down to the thing to read. I, it. I think you know, creating a spooky environment and creating a re- reading environment is kind of a complicated mix there. It's tough. Yeah. The uh, the 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 best lit room was the serial killer room. It was white tile. It looked like a ho- it had like jail a jail cell door, and it mm. looked like a hospital infirmary kind of. That was a good room, and uh, uh, you know they he's got some gross stuff in there. He's got some really gross stuff in that <laughs> there museum, and he has a freak show guy, and he put two fucking saltwater hooks in his eye sockets and hung a gallon of water off him and was swinging them around (laughs) from his eye sockets that was terrible (laughs) that was really terrible yeah it didn't sound great yeah but he was like a cool freak show guy oh yeah fun but yeah zach baggins 10 out of 10 Mm. las vegas 10 out of 10 go Mm. there it's great honestly i would kill to go to the uh uh zach baggins museum it sounds awesome it's so cool he's got so much cool stuff Mm. there he's got so much cool stuff it sounds like it the way you describe it, it kind of seems like as far as like classiness, uh, it, it, you could put it right up there against the Scientology Museum. Sure, mm. sure. And I mean that in like a genuine way. Like the Scientology Museum is at, clean, is, organized, is very clean, very organized, yeah. very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's completely batshit crazy, they did a great job at putting it together. Yeah, this is 30 rooms yeah. you go through with like a group. You have mm. a tour guide that's bringing you to all the different rooms, and there's little interstitial parts where you go through weird mazes, like the clown mm. maze and all that stuff. But uh, oh, overall, that's a 10 out of 10 experience. Hell yeah. And I did the standby line since we didn't make reservations. Mm-hmm. So we basically had to wait for people to cancel, and that was hot because it's hot out there. Yep. But we were in the shade. They had a fan with uh, a water mister on it that was like uh, an industrial fan that was like dumping yeah. water mist. That was fantastic. <laughs> I bet you had a nice glazy forehead. Oh, you bet you. You <laughs> betcha. But since it's so fucking dry, yeah. my forehead dried off pretty quick. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Go to Vegas. Go to Zach Baggin. All right. You ready for it. this week? Let's dive right in. All and right. And by dive right in, I mean 10 minutes later. <laughs> that's okay. That's how, that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> This week, we are going to be diving deep into the life of one of the most unassuming characters we have ever covered on this show. Simply based on her appearance, one would assume she was just a sweet, frail, and ultimately harmless grandma. Mm. A grandma whose whole life revolved around taking care of society's outcasts. Mm. But behind that carefully constructed veneer, there is a cunning, deceitful, silver-haired vixen harboring some very dark secrets. She's hot? Uh, no. Vixens are are generally <laughs> hot women. Well, I put that in the category as we're not trusting them. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, she's hot to somebody, maybe. All right. She's a fucking hot silver-haired you're gonna, vixen. You're, you're going to learn... Um, she has her like attractiveness kind of like goes up really fast and then slams to the ground immediately. Oh, we get a little nosedive. Yeah, so it's kind of like splash in the pan hotness and then it evaporates real quick. I don't That'll know why happen. it evaporates. That'll happen. But it evaporates. Drugging and drinking, that's how. <laughs> yeah, she does a lot of that. I can tell. The woman we will be spending the next few episodes talking about is named Dorothea Puente. 
Dorothea. Oh, he plays for the Twins. Uh, does he, no, Dorothea? That's a that's a racist Mexican baseball joke. Latin baseball joke. That's all that is. <laughs> Dorothea Helen Gray was born on January 9th, 1929. Her mother's name was Trudy May Gray, and her father's name was Jesse James Gray. Uh, what? <laughs> I swear to God. Trudy May Gray and Jesse James Gray? Yeah. Power that's, couple. That's so good. They <laughs> rhyme. They're both three-name couple. That's a good one. Oh, my God. I, it feels like it's made up, but it's completely, completely true. It certainly true. does. Yeah. This is like uh, James of the Giant Peach or something. <laughs> it's fairy tale names. Uh, and Dorothea was the sixth of seven children. Now, to truly get an understanding of the life that Dorothea was born into, we first need to talk about the geological location. Mm. The Gray family was living in Redlands, California at the time of Dorothea's birth, a place that was largely populated with Mexicans and Native Americans, and Dorothea's family was one of the only white families living here in 1929. Redlands, California essentially existed because of its sprawling orange orchards. Ah. Yeah, it's so, I mean... I thought Florida, were they getting in on their territory? I thought Florida was the oranges. California. They, they, big orange. Okay. They, uh, you remember Juan Vallejo Corona? <laughs> yeah. He used to bury some boys in them orange fields <laughs> for sure. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, she does not bury anybody in the orange fields. Th- that but... is fortunate and unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yes. As with Trudy May and Jesse James, with the information about Redlands, naturally one would assume that the two of them simply had moved here to get a job in the orange business, which they certainly both did, working in the packing warehouse. But problems arose when both Trudy May and Jesse James repeatedly showed up to work drunk, Fuck yeah. which eventually led to them being Fuck fired. Fuck yeah, they would get wasted on the way to work? <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Uh, uh, I think her parents, we're about to learn, might be some of the worst alcoholics I've ever heard in my fucking life. It like, seems I'm so. Not- they can't even get through an eight-hour shift without a sip. That's <laughs> no. a problem. No. After being fired, Trudy May found she couldn't find another place of employment, <laughs> so she ended up spending most of her time drunk at home, Woo! having to watch over her children, Boo. the same children of which she was not fond of. Uh, I can't imagine. She did not like She's them. a drunk. Yeah. Do you know how much responsibility kids are? Do you know how much responsibility a drinking problem is? Those yeah. two cannot. Uh, those they two can't cannot uh, coexist. Seven kids yeah. too. No. Seven kids. Holy nope. shit! Not a chance. Jesse James, on the other hand, was lucky enough to get hired picking cotton for a shared cropper out in San Bernardino County. Sounds great. But oftentimes he would show up too drunk to work. <laughs> Which meant he wouldn't get paid, and even the little amount that he did get paid, the first option was not to support the family. He much preferred to spend it on feeding his alcohol addiction. And you know, since they're both addicts, that he was only worried about himself. He wasn't bringing home booze for Trudy May. Honestly, I don't even know how her mom got drunk during this time, because she wasn't working and he's spending all his money on his addiction. So it's kind of just like... Maybe they're I making prison hooch in the toilet or something. I, ugh. They, they don't live in a uh, nice home, we'll say. I wanted to say this. Now, this is going to sound really bad, but if the whole town is uh, 
a lot of Native American people. Did they purposely and racially name it Redlands? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Na- like, yes. <laughs> I don't know. That's, uh, that's Redland out there. Yeah. It yes. sounds like that's what they did. Unless it's like Red Hills, like they Clay Mountains be. or something. I guess but those do exist listen, in California. Redlands is because it's that's where <laughs> the engines are. Yeah. Yes. That's what it sounded like to me when I wasn't quite sure. That's that's fucked up. I didn't uh, think about that, but yeah. absolutely. With two alcoholic parents and six siblings living together in a single-room house, <laughs> Dorothea was born directly into a world of suffering. Mm. The story goes that not only did her mother spend her entire pregnancy with Dorothea drunk, which some, specula- which yeah. some speculate could be the cause of Dorothea's short stature later in life, does she fold up at the end? Um, I don't know. She just is like really short and oh, oh, she's oh. just like real. I was thinking as she got older, she would like uh, fold no, it up. She's just like super short. Gotcha. For a, uh, a white hey, woman. At least, hey, she didn't, you know what I mean? Lucky her <laughs> that she was only short and not like, well, actually, I have no idea what else she is. Well, you will uh, get there. If she's on this show, you know she did some bad <laughs> shit. So, uh, that could have had something to do with it. No, I thought J- I thought Jack Daniels was called a prenatal vitamin back then. <laughs> now Trudy May was also wasted the entire time she was breastfeeding Dorothea, which caused ba- baby. It's like a white Russian. <laughs> <laughs> they claim Dorothea was an oddly quiet young baby, because she was shit faced, which is fucked up. Oh, but it's terrible. like. All these kids probably had to go through with that. Yes. Like, they couldn't feed them. So she's like, just come get some of drunken mommy's tea, mm. dear. Yikes. As Dorothea got older, she could, could no longer live off of her mother's teat. And like everyone, would need some solid nutrition. But her parents were dirt poor. And most of the time, they chose to spend their money on alcohol instead of buying food for the family. So at a very young age, Dorothea would acquire a skill that she would learn to utilize for the rest of her life, garnering sympathy to get what she desires. Manipulation. Mm, Which meant at this age that Dorothea and her siblings would venture into the streets of Redlands, begging the neighbors to give them food. Wonderful. Which is kind of acceptable. When you're a street urchin, yes, absolutely. You have nothing. You have Mm. nothing and you have no chance because your providers will not provide. I, they spend a lot of times in the streets, as we're about to find out here. Uh, when the stories of Trudy May's children wandering around the neighborhood begging for food got back to her, Trudy May would beat her children for bringing shame upon her image. Absolutely. What? That doesn't even make sense. You Listen, don't want to take care of them. Alcoholics. Everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows you're an alcoholic, but they choose yeah. to think that they, they can hide it. Ugh. But it's like and they, they're worried about shame and stuff, yeah. but they're just isolated <laughs> alcoholics. Insular alcoholics. <sighs> These two parents might be some of the worst parents I've ever heard of in my fucking Certainly. life. Certainly. Especially shit. even on this show, yeah. yeah. They really don't give a fuck about their they, kids. They do not. Absolutely. I mean... 30s, uh, let's see, 30s, God, Great Depression's kicking in. Mm. They're just drunk. Mm. The Dust Bowl, I don't think, it's quite started yet. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Ooh, tough times. Tough titty for Walter Mitty. <laughs> Eventually, the great children learned how to watch for the telltale signs of an upset mommy and would run out of the house before she could catch and beat them. Yeah. The other thing was that Trudy May was such a drunk 
The kids knew eventually she was just going to pass out, after which it would be safe for them to return home. Yeah, she's got an iron liver, but eventually the brain <laughs> knows that it's time to yeah, pass out. Time to go nappy time. Yes, yes. This is like the first version of Don't Wake Daddy. Right <laughs> it's like, don't wake mommy. They probably invented it, Don't <laughs> Wake Daddy. What if some, one of her siblings was the creator of that game? That'd be amazing. Now, it's pretty clear that Trudy May does not like her kids very much and most certainly isn't going to be nominated for any Mother of the Year awards. But how about their father, Jesse James? Named Just, after an outlaw. So he, do you think he's going to live that lifestyle? Probably a, a much shittier, mm, less romantic yeah. version than the actual Jesse James. A much James. lazier version <laughs> yes, of Jesse yes. James. Well, firstly, Jesse James was rarely home because he had to travel for work uh, in the cotton fields. If he wasn't working, he was usually at the local tavern. Mm -hmm. On the rare occasions that he was actually home, much like his wife, Trudy May, Jeff C. James did not like his children. He really despised the girls for some reason. If any of the children even approached him, he would just usually backhand them. So when Smack. he just yeah. like literally hit him and be like, go away. Yeah, I think it's probably because he hates his fucking <laughs> wife so much. And he they are little carbon copies of, yeah. at least look wise, of, the, of mama. The author did say that, that yeah. he probably hated his wife. So he took it out on uh, the kids. Boy, so. it's funny how these pieces of shit, they, they just have no idea how, how basic they are, how predictable they are, how they just follow the same patterns. Uh, 1930s parents, alcoholic parents, I don't think they know. They have no clue. Even <laughs> today, they have no clue. True. So when daddy was home, oftentimes the children of the family would just venture the streets all throughout the night until Jesse James would leave the following morning. <laughs> Wow. So they have mm. Don't Wake Daddy and they have Don't Wake Mommy. Don't, don't Wake Parents. Don't Wake Mommy and just leave if Dad's home. <laughs> so fucked He won't up. be there for long. No. You know he can't put down the booze for too long. It's He's like gotta... uh, Frank from Shameless, the mm. uh, uh, Bill Macy's, William H. Macy's character. Yeah. He just like shows up after, passes out for a few minutes and leaves again. <laughs> well, that's Jesse James there. <laughs> Now, young children wandering the streets of Redlands at night put them in direct danger of coming into contact with some unsavory characters. As they had always done, the children would ask for food from the locals, but in the middle of the night is usually the most dangerous time for kids to be out. Being the volatile nature of the local alcoholics, derelicts, and other creeps, the kids never knew what would happen if they were to ask them for help. Some might offer assistance. Some would just simply backhand the kids. Jesus, a lot of backhanding. Or, worst of all, some creeps got a little handsy. Uh, according to Dorothea's sisters, Dorothea was sexually assaulted a few times in this environment, but none of them will talk about what actually happened. I'm assuming it was just so traumatic yeah. that... Um, Certainly rape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they said because Dorothea was kind of like the youngest, she couldn't run as fast as the others, sure. so... She, a lot of times, uh, was the one that got caught. She's a little buffalo, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's really fucking up. horrific. Absolutely. Um, as Dyer's life seems for Dorothea and her siblings, it is about to slowly get better for all of them. It all started one evening in the year 1937. Jesse James Gray had passed out drunk while working in the cotton fields, <laughs> as he has always done. But when he woke up, he found himself 
coughing quite a bit. Oh, no. Slowly, over the next few weeks, the cough started to include blood, a pretty telltale sign of someone suffering from tuberculosis. Yay! The violent, <laughs> drunken piece of shit's dead. Like, it's sad when you tell a story. It's like, when someone's about to die, <laughs> things will get better for it's you. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I can, my you, God. you have no idea how much you're going to love when your dad dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked up. <laughs> but it's true. It, it honestly is. Uh, because the entire family had now been exposed to tuberculosis, the household was placed under quarantine. Now, the local church was quick to help supply the family with food and other goods for the few months they had to all remain quarantined. But not long after contracting tuberculosis, Jesse James Gray would die of said disease within the same year and was buried in Potter's Field, which was for those who were too poor to afford their own funeral. Should have joined the Odd Fellows. They would have buried him. They would have buried him. I don't him. know if Zach back was around free, back then. Free funeral. Uh, uh, th- look up the Odd Fellows when you get a chance. I, I'm gonna. Honestly, that shit's fucked up. Sounds, but awesome. It sounds fun. Now, Dorothea was eight years old at the time of her father's death, and what little I- income the family did elicit from Jesse James was now completely gone. Mm. Even though the local townsfolk felt bad for a young widow of seven kids. They all knew Trudy May was an uninhibited alcoholic and no place would dare hire her. Yeah, she's a fucking liability. Yeah, it's two... <laughs> you have to hire two people for the same shift because you know she's not going to show up <laughs> most of the time. But an alcoholic like Trudy May has got to get her fixed somehow. So Trudy May started to spend her evenings with her new boyfriends as the kids called it oldest profession in the books <laughs> there's a lot of that yeah. in this series i'll yeah. promise you that yeah. trudy may's new line of work often required her to spend time at the tavern drinking and looking for new boyfriends leaving her kids home alone even though the great children were left alone to fend for themselves they were resourceful and would create a system that worked like a charm the elder of the children would learn to cook for the rest of the siblings, while the younger children would use their charm to elicit sympathy to acquire money or food from the neighbors. Or, in a best-case scenario, the great children would be invited to have dinners with the local Mexican families around the neighborhood. So that's... Can you imagine? You have such a shitty life like these kids, and a nice Mexican family is like, come on over, have whatever the enchiladas whatever the fuck or hamburgers or whatever hamburgers. they're having <laughs> you fucking racist <laughs> <laughs> well they're they're very big on um as we'll learn dorothea is like a master of mexican cooking oh well then yes so she, she definitely learned it at she, their hands she learned it from somewhere here i, I learned I it from know. watching you <laughs> <laughs> It will come as no surprise, someone like Trudy May, who is living a dangerous and reckless life, will eventually have to meet the Reaper as well. Trudy May's fate was sealed about a year after the death of her husband, Jesse James. The story goes, it was one evening and Trudy May was riding on the back of a motorcycle with one of her boyfriends. Idiot. When all of a sudden, a car apparently clipped the back wheel of the motorcycle, sending it veering off the road and down a jagged cliffside. When they finally recovered their corpses, 
their bodies had hit so many jagged rocks <laughs> on the way down the cliff, it barely looked like a human anymore. <laughs> what a more poetic way to die, honestly. Rip, rip to the real one. <clears throat> See you later, Trudy May, you violent, drunken bitch. <laughs> It feels like a cartoon, honestly. Yes, like I'm, they hit I'm their bum. Like, about, I'm thinking about like a Top Gear sketch where they it cuts and then it's just dummies of them falling down a cliff. I don't know. They were like, they hit so many Ugh. fucking rocks. It just does. It just like a flesh pile over there anymore. Did somebody drop a bunch of hamburger down here? What's, Looks like a vulture vomited down here. Holy shit! But uh, there's yeah. a there's a pile of meat with a wig on it. Well, the good thing is they were probably so drunk they probably didn't realize what was even Hell going yeah. on. <laughs> you know Trudy May was blacked out on the back of that. She would have fallen off if they yeah. didn't go off that hill. <laughs> it's literally a Grand Theft Auto skit. Exactly. Uh, that just happened. There. Wasted. <laughs> <laughs> literally wasted. <laughs> Being that the seven children were all officially orphans now, they would all be broken up and sent to live in different orphanages. As horrible as orphanages were in the early part of the 1900s, I can only imagine they were still a step up for the Gray family's prior living situation. Three hots and a cot. Mm. But Dorothea wouldn't have to live without her siblings for too long because at the age of about 10, her aunt had learned about her sister Trudy May's death and sent out to adopt all of her nieces and nephews. While it would take several months to track them down and get through all of that red tape, eventually the entire Grey clan would be reunited and would all move into their aunt's home in Fresno, California. Damn. So they're finally, 10 years, finally (laughs) living in a home that's not fucked up. That's awesome. That's actually really awesome. It's and all it took was the death of her terrible look, fucking sperm donor parents. Look, this is what I said. <laughs> her life's about to get better. It's kind of a fucked up way of getting better, but it's about to get better. Fuck, this is, we're in the money now, yeah. baby. <laughs> For the next few years, Dorothea finally had some stability in her life. She was attending school regularly. She was making friends and had a happy home life with all of her siblings. Around this time, Dorothea started to do something that will become a pattern throughout the rest of her life. You see, Dorothea loved to create her own version of her life story. One that, as we will learn throughout this series, is constantly changing depending on who she tells. Uh, dude, he is the first person that came to my mind when I was thinking about this. I wonder if he ever listens to this podcast, he's going to be so pissed. We've said his name for the last fucking four years on this thing, three years. Well, look, he's got to know, learn about the errors of his ways. He Maybe should. he's killing people right now. Yeah. We don't know. Or he's like a real estate agent like Hogan. He could be. He could be. I don't know. We've created Look. golems, Cody. With this show, we've created golems. <laughs> They're going to team up together and kill us. <laughs> Craig, too. <laughs> the first instance of Dorothea changing her origin story starts around the time she was living with her aunt. During this time, Fresno had a very healthy Mexican community, much in the same way that Redlands did, and she, as no surprise, interacted with said communities on regular intervals. So Dorothea started to tell everyone that her real story was that she had actually grown up in Mexico alongside 18 
brothers and sisters. She would even learn Spanish and will eventually start having a Spanish accent just to continuously perpetuate this lie. She's already got a radical fucking childhood. Yeah. Like, what a story that you have. I think she is embarrassed of it or if it's that traumatic. I, I don't know. You're going to see she keeps like, if it, if this was a Tetris block, right? She just keeps pounding more blocks on top of the other one. She's never going to clear them, is no, she? No, no, because she just keeps adding new new themes to the story. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, she literally will do this for her whole whole fucking life. Like it, it's pretty <laughs> insane. That's just like the first layer. Um, we got a lot more layers to Strange. kind of pound on top Strange. of that. After enjoying several years of living a stable life with her siblings and aunt, the state intervened once again and would have them all removed, claiming that there were too many people living under the same roof at the same time. Oh, I, I guess that's a law. I don't, you can't have 10 people. No. Yeah, maybe 10 people living under the same roof. Have you ever been to a Hmong family's house? <laughs> There's 50 of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe the rules have changed since 1937. I don't know. Or maybe they just don't care anymore. Yeah. I really don't know. Uh, this time, Dorothea was shifted around from different foster families, moving from Fresno to Los Angeles to Napa, a um, bunch of different places along the way. Yeah, man, you're like that's you're you're going up yeah. and down the coast there. <laughs> well, these were not bad foster families, as far as we know. The reason she constantly moved was because Dorothea started to become resilient to the rules set by the family, which included things like. Coming home after school was over, or even just having a curfew. She uh, she wasn't a big fan of those two base level rules. She Almost every them. kid has to listen yes. to. I mean, she was a street urchin, like you said. Yeah. So she wants, and to... she wants to be with her fucking family <laughs> yeah. and not in a fucking foster home. Right. By the time Dorothea reached the age of sixteen, she had grown into a very attractive young lady. And felt like she wasn't going to listen to anyone any longer. So she saved what little money she could, dropped out of school, and purchased a bus ticket headed for Olympia, Washington. Dorothea had met another teenage girl at the bus station, and the two of them would share a tiny hotel room that looked out onto the Puget Sound. Beautiful. That's a beautiful. beautiful... One of my dreams to get there. I want to the see that You want to see thing. the Puget Sound? I would love to, yeah. It's I've a, heard it's wonderful. It, it, it's quite uh, quite neat to look at. Um, apparently, there's like a... When I took the tour there, they were really harping on this family of some type of whale that like comes there every single year. Kind Did you see it? I didn't see it. I don't Damn. think they were there, but oh. I don't remember if it was a killer whale or a humpback whale, one of the two. Oh. You know, it's a cicada summer. Is it? Not to change the topic. Yeah. <laughs> 17, every 17 years. Yeah. Those things are annoying as shit. Fuck yeah. They're the Did worst. We t- Did we talk about um, Pia sending us that comic of a boy falling in love with a cicada? Nope. Okay. Yeah. It's apparently a ma- manga. That's um, hot. He fucks, or I should say the cicada fucks him. As it should be. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the power bottom. Oh, apparently. yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. I need to, I'd love to read that comic. Sounds weird. Is it in English? <laughs> I don't know. It didn't look like it. It didn't look like it. It was very weird. I just kept thinking about when that cicada is coming, it's going to yeah. make that loud 
that squealing noise or what like screeching noise is so annoying but if you're in love with a cicada you love that noise (laughs) he's about to come his screeches are getting really loud now oh i bet that vibrating would feel good in my butthole (laughs) (laughs) with little to no money left dorothea decided to follow in her mother's footsteps and dive into the world of sex work there's nothing wrong with it but when you have no other choice like Mm. that's when it's a problem now, Dorothea was a very attractive young lady with a hint of a of Spanish a fake accent. Spanish accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and found she was able to attract men quite easily. And also add to the fact that it was now 1945. Oh. And all the soldiers were returning from the war. They're looking for a port to <laughs> store their... They're, they're trying to fuck, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they were more than happy to spend some of their money with uh, a quality time, uh, for some quality time with a woman like Dorothea, especially if they think she's exotic mm. because of her fake Spanish she's accent. She's a mixed racial <laughs> hottie, I guess. I want everybody to keep in mind, for what you're about to hear, she is as white as Adam and I. Okay. She is nothing else but a white person. Almost pink. Almost pink, All yes. Right. And if you look at pictures of her, she's white <laughs> as fuck, too. So I get there's some Latin people who are, like, really white. Like but, uh, Canelo. <laughs> yeah, but she is white. She just doesn't really want people to know she's white. Uh, but anyway, Dorothea and her bus stop friend slash roommate found <laughs> themselves having so many clients they actually would have to rent an additional room at the hotel to accommodate all of them. <laughs> Need a waiting room. This <laughs> <laughs> also Take a number. <laughs> Eventually, Dorothy was able to charm a 22-year-old soldier by the name of Fred McFall. Fred eventually became such a regular customer, he would pay extra simply to just sit and chat with Dorothea. This the is a girlfriend re- experience. This is literally... Um, a pretty and pink scenario yeah. going on right now. Yeah. Uh, I, j- I don't know. I just yeah. feel like this I'm cringing. is... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm cringing. too, honestly. Marty, you idiot. Oh, Fred McFall, you idiot. You know, he just... I don't know how he long he was He sprung like work. a bear trap on this fake Mexican poo nanny. <laughs> I, see, look, I don't know... Like how long he was at war, whatever. But 22 years old, maybe he was shipped out right at 18. And he's just like, I want to get married and yeah. quit looking at dead people. I've seen enough of that yeah. to know that I would don't want that again. I would just like a soft girl. <laughs> Dorothea was happy to regale Fred with her stories about living in Mexico and the tragic death of her Mexican parents. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> her white parents' death were pretty tragic. I, she really didn't need to wake up these Mexican parents. Oh, God. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, oh, it gets better, trust me. <clears throat> Fred soon found himself becoming infatuated with her, which led to him proposing to Dorothea. <laughs> pretty woman. And viewing this as an opportunity for an easier life, Dorothea said yes. Yeah. The, the couple would eventually travel to Reno, Nevada to tat. <clears throat> Am I saying this right? I got yelled at for not saying it right. Nevada. 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 <laughs> no, I could just do that just for her. Nevada. Uh, to tie the knot in a ridiculously expensive wedding ceremony that Dorothea wanted. You see, Dorothea had come to enjoy a certain type of lifestyle after hooking, mm-hmm. which meant lavishing herself with expensive things. Mm-hmm. So Fred would have to purchase her things like silk stockings, floral prints. 
wearing dresses <laughs> and pay for her to have regular hair appointments. Oh my god. <laughs> Adam's sweating and cringing over there. <laughs> it hurts. I'm cringing too. It hurts. You know, when I read the book, like I was cringing a little bit, but when I'm saying it out loud, I'm like cringing even harder, honestly. <laughs> like this is I'm this reminds me of like People paying Twitch streamers or something. I like, know. Honestly. Yeah, you. Yeah, thirsty fuck boys. <sighs> He's a thirsty fuck he boy. He's a thirsty. Fu- well, you know what? He's seen some shit. I guess right. He's seen some that. shit. <laughs> yeah, he's got PTSD. Yeah. At the time, they called it shell shock, but he is. He's suffering some <laughs> from something. As for the wedding, as no surprise, only Fred's family was in attendance. Yeah. Dorothea yes. would tell his family members slightly different versions, slightly different stories about how she had lost contact with all of her family in Mexico. Uh, Dorothea would also tell some of Fred's family that Fred had actually rescued her during the Baton Death Death March. Baton Death March during the war in the Philippines. She's not Filipino. She's not a GI. She's the what on earth? What on earth? (laughs) No, she. You'll find out. She claims that her she escaped Mexico and went to the Philippines, and then Fred rescued her. She was telling this story to his family during their wedding. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now, they all knew she was lying, but they just chalked it up to her being young and possibly being drunk off of champagne. And attention. Yeah. Holy shit. I cannot believe she would try and say that. Have you heard of that before? The Bataan Death March? Yeah, yeah it's horrifying. Is it's it? It's horrifying. Okay. Yeah. Would a nice Mexican woman be rescued no. by Fred there? No, because the um, the Americans had no power. They were the ones being marched. <laughs> they were being marched by Japanese troops to uh, dying <laughs> the whole way. What on earth? Oh, my God. Try, oh. Look Ooh. up the Bataan Death March after it, this. It's I mean, terrifying. anything with a death march, I assume, <laughs> isn't good. Those fucking Japanese soldiers were... Brutal. Ruthless, they yeah. Were ruthless. <laughs> Fred would find work in Gardnerville, Nevada, so the happily newlyweds would move into a nice home located within walking distance of Fred's parents. Convenient. <laughs> now, after they began to live together, Fred found himself becoming overwhelmed by Dorothea's constant attention. Mm. Dorothea had finally believed that she had found someone who loved and cared for her, and she showed her appreciation by constantly fucking Fred's brains out. According to Fred, he started to believe that she was only a sex worker because of her nymphomania. Because she needed that dingalingo. I think this is my theory that a person who grew up with her. She feels like maybe that's the only way she can offer something love. in a relationship. Yeah. yeah, is by like that's her love language. Yeah, is banging because she she has a very skewed sense of what sex is and should be. Right. Uh so I think that's what it is. Maybe she just likes to fuck. I don't know. No, it's issues. It's okay. definitely certainly mental issues. <laughs> As we know, Dorothea had spun an intricate tale about being Mexican, and Mm -hmm. apparently she had learned how to solidify the lie to Fred and others in the future with her masterful cooking skills. Oh, yeah. Outside of all of the sex, Fred would also enjoy a constant flow of delicious, authentic Mexican dishes. Just like her authentic (laughs) Mexican. uh, That Dorothea claimed to have learned in the old country. (laughs) 
but things weren't as good as they seem in the McFall home. Well, that's terrible because it sounds great, actually. Sex and Mexican food? Sex and Mex. Yeah, sex and Mex. <laughs> it's the new version of Tex-Mex. Sex-Mex. Sex Mex. <laughs> Being a military man, Fred liked to have everything clean and in order, but he soon found that his wife, Dorothea, was not interested in keeping the house in any sort of decent order, and if Fred wanted a clean home he would have to constantly clean up after Dorothea, which made Fred a bit frustrated. God, man, woman, child. Look, I know this sounds really bad now, but you, you have to put yourself in 1950s you brain where it was do. like... Man, Nuclear family. Yeah, man works. Woman, woman does. Keeps. Yeah, woman's at home. So, I guess. I don't... I. It's I, terrible, I, but that was the societal contract of the time. That right. was that was the way. If you wanted to live that lifestyle, that you mm. had to like sign away a little bit of your the the thing, agency. The thing I kind of took out of this too from the author is that it wasn't necessarily that she wasn't quote fulfilling her household duties. It was that she like liked to live dirty, like she liked to create a mess and then just leave it there. Like, I don't know if that was just <laughs> because I'm assuming that's how her house looked. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, she just, like, would make a mess and then just kind of leave it. I mean, there is people like that. Definitely. They just fuck shit up and then just, Definitely. like, they don't feel comfortable unless there's messes everywhere. I think that's kind of how she is. Mess a is bit. stress, my friend. I, I, it's, I, don't, I don't like it. It stresses me out. Sensing she was frustrating her husband, Dorothea believed the only way to mend it was to fuck his brains out even more. Right. Which even I, though his dick's about to fall <laughs> off from overuse. Which ironically just slowly drove them further from each other. Oh. But it also led to Dorothea becoming pregnant. Shooting up the club. <laughs> Too much sex leads to pregnancy, kids. Do you remember that? You keep that in mind, boys <laughs> and girls. <laughs> she would eventually give birth to a little baby girl, but also like her mother, Dorothea found herself not being particularly interested in her offspring. Mm. It would be a regular occurrence for Fred to come home and find the house in a disheveled state and the baby left to sit in its own filth on the floor. Oh, she didn't change the diapers. She, she refused to change the diapers. Wouldn't do it. I don't, I don't, she's not a good mom. We'll just say Not that. a good mom. Not a good mom. Her mom was not a good mom. She's not a good mom. Dorothea would only last three months as a mom before she would dump her daughter off on her new mother-in-law after essentially giving away their baby, another toxic dynamic had started to fester in their relationship. <laughs> that You mean that caused a little bit of strife uh, when she made the decision to give the yeah, baby away to his mom? Just a little bit, um, yeah. Fred found himself being afraid to confront Dorothea because she would immediately retaliate with pure rage if he brought up the slightest thing. Yeah. And when Dorothea got angry... Her response was to run out of the house and go get shithoused at the local watering hole. This was only made worse when rumors of Dorothea becoming a bit too friendly while drunk with some of the other patrons of the bar got back to Fred. Of course. Because of the toxic situation that had been going on between the two of them, Fred became even more distant from his wife and Dorothea started to enjoy the company of liquor throughout the day as unhealthy of a relationship as this is, something randomly started to change for an unknown reason. It's funny how she just became her mother. Yeah. Immediately. It, she went from just 
day drinking now. Yeah, she loves drinking, by the way. I I don't know. It's uh, I guess that's how it works, right? Genetic. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, Dorothea started to completely change how she acted. She wasn't being so much of a slob at home and would actually begin cleaning up after herself while Fred was at work. Now, Fred took this as her wanting to begin to mend the relationship, which meant Fred and Dorothea started to reinvigorate that passion in the bedroom, which led to Dorothea becoming pregnant once again. Hell no. Mind you, her first child is still living with her mother-in-law. Yeah, she gave it away already. (laughs) When it came time for Dorothea to give birth, Fred was at work when she went into labor, and she would just quietly make her way to the hospital. Dorothea would give birth to another baby girl, but this time she immediately signed the paperwork to give the child up for adoption. Whoa. That evening, when Fred came home from work, he noticed that Dorothea didn't have the baby bump anymore, but didn't seem to uh, see a child anywhere. Hey, nice job on the weight loss, (laughs) but where is the uh, product of it? (laughs) Naturally, Fred confronted her about this, and with a straight face... Dorothea plainly told him that she just didn't want the child, so she had given it up for adoption. (laughs) After hearing the news, Fred would do everything he possibly could to try to find his daughter, but it was too late. The parental rights had already been given away, and there wasn't a sliver of a chance for him to ever see his newborn daughter ever again. Jesus That's a two-way street. You got (laughs) I don't know. Can a mo- I don't know. Can a mother just give it up for adoption without the father? Really? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, still? Because they, I mean, re- I hope so. Mm. I mean, that is kind of like, it's a shitty thing to do, but ultimately, I mean, Christ. All yeah. the guy does is put a little <laughs> juice in there. That's that's all that happens. <laughs> <He's> the- <laughs> they should get about 1% say. Right. As right. Far, until that thing is a uh, uh, a baby. Right. Right. I don't I don't. <sighs> I don't. I don't know. I'd be interested to find that. I'm assuming you can't just yeah, just be get, like ship take it off. my baby. I know. I think <laughs> maybe I you can. Know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Scary thought. Either way, this was the last straw for Fred, and he immediately started to pr- process the divorce papers, Good. which was almost unheard of during this time period. Mm-hmm. So in 1948, Dorothea found herself freshly divorced and left to her own devices once again. She would never hear from Fred or her daughter ever again, which is even more shocking considering how infamous she will eventually become. Like, she was on TV everywhere. They knew she was on TV if they were still alive. I'm assuming they were alive. That was a clean break. Yeah. Like, she did not want shit to do with them and them her. So what what does this tell you about a marrying or falling in love with um <laughs> with a Twitch streamer? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's don't not do a it. Good idea. It's not a good idea. <laughs> don't do it. Really try and find someone you connect with and I'll say this, maybe you shouldn't have a relationship strictly based on like money. I don't know. You That's know what ter- I'm saying? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like in any form. Don't get financially dominated. Yeah. It's not hot. You're yeah. just a weird cuck. Ugh, dude, I hear, uh, I'm not even going to, I can't even go into, I'll tell you off the show. Sounds good. Uh, Dorothea would take what little money she had and would move into a small apartment in a very rough part of Los Angeles. Dorothea was ready to jump right back into the working as a prostitute, but found that in 1948, 
the landscape for a sex worker had changed a bit. The horny soldiers had calmed down. Right. Most of them uh, had moved on, like you said, and wanted to establish their own nuclear families. Also, Los Angeles, being a much bigger city, had a lot more competition than Washington did. That's where Uh, dreams are made of or whatever. They... I'm not. I didn't include a lot of this, but the author, <laughs> he was. He weren't heavy on how her her appearance really declined, and uh, that during this point she'd given birth to two kids, so she wasn't quite as hot as she was apparently before she met Fred. Wow! But that's not. It sound like if you read. She the, sounds mean. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like when you read the book, it's like Ryan Green. You are kind of an asshole to be honest with you. But I guess maybe he. Th- thinks you can do that because she's a killer i don't know yeah or he's just ruthless i don't know he could be ruthless he could definitely all i know is detective cole's probably driving around right about now either working (laughs) on the traffic case or the homicide or the fire case he's he's somewhere there this is right around then 48 isn't that la noir uh yeah he was in the war yeah yeah Yeah. maybe he ran into dorothea Hmm. probably not they didn't have a serial killer in that game, right? I don't think. Yeah, they did. They, did. they had did they? Uh, the the one, the the big one, the Dahlia, Black Dahlia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, boy. that is right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a good game. I'm gonna replay that soon. You should. So Dorothea decided to alter how she went about her trade. This time, she decided she would do everything possible to avoid sleeping with their clients. Her <laughs> ultimate goal, instead, was to just rob them. Yeah. Which. That which meant stealing their checkbooks while they were distracted, or if she did go back to their house with them from the bar, she would insist on them continuously drinking so they got so drunk they would just pass out, mm-hmm. after which she was free to steal everything possible from their home. There's a Mona Lisa, that's a song by Little Wayne, it's all about it, it's good. Oh, the girls getting you as drunk as possible? Yeah. Gotta be careful, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorothea was able to keep this little scheme going on up until early 1949 when the police started to receive reports of a young lady robbing Johns and writing bad checks. Hell yeah. So after setting up a little sting operation, Dorothea was soon arrested for fraud. Now, being that Dorothea was roughly about 19 to 20 years old, the judge decided to go lenient on her, sentencing her to serve one year with a chance of parole after only six months. That's pretty good for robbing and writing bad checks and they, stuff. That's pretty good. I mean, 30... Okay, this time, they didn't really want women in jail too often, so... they. I hate to say it. It sounds sexist, but they do. They did in the past get... Uh, they would get off on everything pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's her first charge, I guess. And sure. The She's judge- a kid. He's saying, I don't want to throw throw the fucking book at her. She could turn into something. My my guess would be that the judge probably enjoyed the company of sex workers quite a bit <laughs> as well. So He doesn't but, want to take away a possible target. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prison would prove to be beneficial for a burgeoning young criminal like Dorothea. She would learn a few vital lessons. When she first arrived in prison, she quickly found that none of the other prisoners were very fond of her, mostly because of the state that she kept herself and her living space. But after receiving a few punishments administered by the prison guards, she was quick to change her lifestyle. Yeah, from listening to Ear Hustle, they definitely talk about cleanliness being the 
it's expected or you'll get beat the fuck out of. Yeah, the yeah, even in 1949, uh, prisoners did not like a dirty boy in there. I'd they imagine were, because the rats were probably way more of a problem too, so God, you can't I have messes. I didn't even think about yeah. that. That's uh, rats and bugs would be my main concern in see, prisons and hospitals. See, this is kind of like my main thing, right? I, I don't think it's strictly like the your woman clean the house thing. I think because she's in jail, literally making a shithole out of her yep. prison cell. So yep. there's something about her that she, for some reason, she does this. She I compulsively don't know. needs a, like a nest, a like filth. a mess nest. <laughs> the change proved to help in Dorothea making new friends, and Dorothea would go on to discover she could manipulate people to elicit empathy from them. It made them like her a little better. She was able to get them to do things for her. And on top of all that, gave her a nice little boost to her ego. Hell yeah. Which I think is probably <laughs> the biggest thing. Oh, I, I, she needs it, Stroke. Yeah. Nobody's ever told her she's good or or good enough. Nobody's probably ever told her that in her whole life. So she makes her own life story there. Exactly. <laughs> She'd love to tell her fellow prisoners about her tragic past, which began with how she had fled Mexico, ending up in the Philippines, only to be saved by Fred during the Bataan Death March. (laughs) Her and Fred eventually married, and she was so deeply in love with him, but sadly Fred's life was cut short due to a heart attack. Did Fred even serve in the Pacific, or was (laughs) he in Europe? I have no idea. That's so ridiculous. This is just her story. He rescued me from Hitler's compound in Berlin. Like, it's just as believable. (laughs) The best part is, like, she refuses to say she got divorced. He just died. It's ridiculous. Yeah, of course. Just a quick heart attack. Drop dead. I suppose that is a good way to say, oh, Fred's dead. And they're like, oh, honey, I know you loved him so much. Mm -hmm. He had such a romantic story going on there. Oh, that's easy. I (laughs) mean, that's easy. With her newly discovered friends, Dorothea received a bit of advice on how to be a better thief and was taught by some of the more experienced sex workers in the clink where the best locations were within the city of Los Angeles where she could maximize her income. Prison is criminal university. Hmm. And I imagine probably at this time a lot of those girls, that's what they were probably in there Hell for. yeah. Um, Prostitution. Yeah, Hell more yes. than likely. So after about four months, Dorothea was released from prison and placed on parole. Dorothea decided to set up shop in downtown Los Angeles, which, mind you, just being in that location was a direct violation of her parole, but she didn't have to worry too much because the police often would turn in a blind eye, mostly because they were enjoying the services provided by the sex workers as well. Isn't that a, just a disgusting mm. system? <laughs> yeah. When the judges and the police that are supposed to enforce the laws are... are they they have to turn a blind eye because they got to get their nuts somewhere. Hey, you know what? I guess it's uh, the, how the ecosystem there worked. But right? it's still illegal. It's yeah, very it's, fucked. I mean, that's a gross. It's I so gross. I feel like this probably ain't going to happen anymore. Uh, I bet this still happens. The sex workers and the cops? Well, no, because now mm. it's all done by sex trafficking in mm. fucking hotels by, uh. by armed Serbians and shit. Ah, yeah, that's real scary. Oh, it's all scary. Yeah, it's we real live in scary. we live in a fallen world, as somebody told me when I was at the RV place. They <laughs> see, he was a real religious guy. He came in to pay his bill. He said we live, we truly live in a fallen world. And I said, I said, you know what I said? Uh-huh. I said, well, guess what? 
Jesus, he's that bridge off that world. And he said, amen, brother. And he walked out. It was so good. Dude, that is amazing. I hope next time you tell him the Satanists are most powerful at night. Get Thanks. out of here. And that is sponsored by The Conjuring. The yeah. devil made me yeah. do it. Well, listen to listen to Between the Bumbles. Yes. I'm going to just, that's literally my catchphrase now. The Satanists, Satanists are most powerful, powerful at nighttime. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Now, Dorothea was finding a lot of success with her new location and making money hand over fist. But Dorothea is so obsessed with wealth and her personal vanity, she was constantly blowing all of her money on the finest liquors, silk stockings, the hottest new dresses, new hats, and expensive meals, Mm -hmm. which wouldn't leave her a whole lot of money to spare when she found out she was pregnant for uh, for the third time from some random John. Condoms definitely existed, by the way. Yeah, they, they, I mean, the author claims she more than likely accepted a few extra bucks to let... Raw dog. The raw dogger, yeah, so there's that. All right, that makes sense. Uh, maybe the extra dollar is not worth it. No, nah, man. Say, just nah, gonna man. throw that out there. That's terrible. Yeah, so more than likely because her clients didn't want to pay to have sex with a pregnant woman, she resigned from doing sex work throughout her pregnancy. Nine months later, in 1950, she would give birth to another baby girl at a San Francisco hotel. (laughs) San Francisco hospital, which was immediately put up for adoption. Now, the reason she was in San Francisco was because during her pregnancy, she had been couch surfing and mooching off of all of her old friends and her previous foster parents. Fuck yeah. She's that type of person. That's what's up. (laughs) That's what's up. I guess. That's the dream. She probably just went in there, told that horseshit story and like, oh, honey, come on. You can stay with us as long as you want. That mean old Fred. (laughs) After the pregnancy, Dorothea decided to start working in San Francisco but this time decided to completely skip over the sex part of being a sex worker <laughs> and instead focus, focus mainly on tricking Johns and just straight up robbing him. Good. Almost all of her income during this time was made entirely from theft and check fraud. After living several years as a sex worker, thief, and prisoner, she realized that uh, she was feeling lonely. And wanted to return to the stable life similar to the one that she had with Fred McFall. Mm. She would find exactly what she was looking for in the form of a Swedish merchant seaman by the name of Axel Johannesson. Johansson. Johansson. Wow. What do you think about that guy? Axel Johansson. <laughs> I love him. He is a pagan warlord, truly. Or he's the bad guy from Die Hard, one of the two. I'll take either. I will take all three of them. Can in you fact. think of a more stereotypical job for a Swedishman? A Swedish merchant seaman? Yeah. No, I can't. Named Axel. <laughs> I can see him wearing like a the blue woolen vest and everything. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. I see Axel. <laughs> I can see him. I bet he's hot. <laughs> I guarantee it because I can see him. Now, their union was a long and tedious one because Axel was called out to sea so much, it took longer than normal for Dorothea to charm his little Swedish pants off. You know they're little, too. (laughs) With Axel, Dorothea's made-up life story had evolved a little bit. Mm. She obviously started with the fact that she was born in Mexico, went to the Philippines, was rescued by the brave soldier Fred, and Fred was sadly cut down by a heart attack. After the death of her beloved Fred at the age of 19, Dorothea 
was just a heartbroken widow, but her luck was about to change. Dorothea told Axel how one day when she was shopping at a store called The Emporium, she was approached by a strange man who handed her a card. Naturally, she figured he was asking her out on a date, but that wasn't what the card was for. No, 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 no. He was actually a talent scout for the Radio City Rockets. Rockets. Whoa! <laughs> she's going to be a dancer at the Thanksgiving parade. Fuck yeah. The, the, it's the famous New York City dance you group. You betcha. You betcha. They played at Radio City Music <clears throat> Hall, and they still exist. They did a cool nutcracker <clears throat> dance at the Thanksgiving parade. Well, it was pretty good. I hope one of them reaches out and tells us, actually, Dorothea Puente was the best rocket they've ever had on the staff. Here. Is that so? They they I bet you they uh I bet you she made that up that she was the superstar of the Rockettes. Uh she claims that the stage the stranger who approached her just could see with a blind eye that Dorothea sure. was going to make the perfect rocket. You're a star, baby. <laughs> Dorothea would head out to New York and try out and by god wouldn't you believe it? She was such a natural dancer. She blew the pants right off the producers. Absolutely. But Dorothea had a little bit of a conundrum, you see. At the time, she was also one of the top chefs. <laughs> Hold on. I just drank water. She was one of the top chefs. Oh, chef. no. <laughs> top chef and rocket. <laughs> this is so she was at, she was one of the top chefs uh-huh. at one of San Francisco's top seafood restaurants. Well, she can't be going to New York to dance. She's got to cook at San Fran. She decided that Thursday through Sunday she would be in New York performing as Sharon Neandra, uh-huh. and the rest of the time she would return to San Francisco to work as a chef at that seafood restaurant. Wow, what she isn't she a motivated woman? <laughs> you know what? I don't know if this is true or not, but the author thinks that she told Axel this specific story simply because he was a seaman. She figured she or she figured he'd love seafood more. Absolutely. So way to his heart, just start talking about seafood. Oh, I'll grill any octopus you bring home, baby. Sadly, though, this story has a tragic ending. One night, Dorothea was dancing her heart out in front of a packed house with one of the other Rockettes' heels broke, which caused her to stumble into Dorothea, and both girls would fall into the orchestra pit. Dorothea was lucky to escape with only a broken leg that put an end to her career, but the other girl wasn't so lucky because she ended up paralyzed. Whoa! To make matters worse... The other girl's husband, not wanting to, de- not wanting to deal with a paralyzed wife, left her for another Rockette. She made up the real housewives of the Rockettes. Yeah, she. So, what do you feel? What do you feel like with her second story going on there? I think she's like, what on <laughs> earth? She is a D tier like blogger. <laughs> making stuff up and she's terrible at it what is the point of all this making stuff to impress people that's so dumb uh here's the thing i would love to see her tinder profile oh like just the list of accomplishments on there or she had a linkedin page holy shit so many awards on that motherfucker you know it uh whether or not axel actually believed any of dorothea's stories we don't know but what he did know was that she had a personality that pulled him right in. This was also helped by the fact that Axel found most women were turned off by his 
grizzled Swedish seaman appearance, but Dorothea gave him all the attention in the world. Mm. Eventually, the two of them would marry and move into a home out in the suburbs. Much like with her first husband, Fred, Dorothea would please Axel not only with her masterful culinary skills, but also make sure to tear that dick Dick. up. Axel was out to sea a lot, and she didn't want him forgetting about that poontang he had waiting for him back at home. Yeah, once you get here, baby, I got a fish (laughs) pie for you. Your dick's going to be skinless after Dorothea's done with that Mm. bad boy. Although... Dorth, or, uh, Axel seems to enjoy the sex a lot more than Fred did. Sure. Well, Axel- hey, I think being pulled away for long stretches at a time, I think that'll help. Uh, good point. You get a little break. Fred never got a fucking break. <laughs> Very true. For a woman like Dorothea, you would have expected that she had finally gotten what she was looking for, which included stability, some peace and quiet because Axel was gone for work a lot, and free access to spend all of Axel's money. But she soon found herself feeling very lonely and lacking attention when Axel was gone. This in turn caused Dorothea to fall back into her bad habits of consuming copious amounts of booze and turning their home into a disheveled mess. It wouldn't be unusual for Axel to return home from sea and just find Dorothea passed out completely shithoused. Sure. With everything everywhere, I'm sure. Being that it was the 1950s and domestic abuse wasn't talked about, Axel would regularly beat Dorothea when he felt like she wasn't acting in the manner that he wanted. This is interesting because Fred didn't do this. Axel did do this. So we'll give Fred... He's a much better man than Axel is, clearly. (laughs) After the beatings, Dorothea started to change how she acted, at least while Axel was home anyway. That's fucked up. Axel also started to realize the more time he spent with Dorothea, the more fantastical her stories began to morph. Sure. Such as after seeing JFK on TV she would start to integrate both he and Jackie into her Rockettes tales, also claiming the famous actress Rita Hayworth was her castmate on the Rockettes. I don't Rita know. Hayworth, super hot. You know her. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Okay. She was a she was a real dish from the fifties, so, forties, and fifties. So Dorothea said they were like best pals. And what JFK and uh, Jackie would go see them dance. I or guess what? so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she's just like she like sees shit, and then she just kind of like folds it in to her story. She she makes omelets with her <laughs> fucking stories. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, Axel knew the pattern that followed after he left for work, so he would delay having to go out to sea as long as he possibly could, but Dorothea had burned through a good chunk of his savings, so he was forced to return to work to make to continue <laughs> to make money, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> after, As no surprise, shortly after Axel left, Dorothea almost immediately sank back into her bad behaviors, which meant alcoholism, a gradual decline in her self-care, and eventually she would seek out that attention she craved from men at the local bar. Mm. She really enjoyed the fact that the suckers at the bar would eat up her fantastical stories. That's a pretty girl telling you a sob story while yeah. you're having a drink. It's it's a tale as old as time, my friend. It's like uh, coffee and milk. They just go together sometimes. One time I got... I, I didn't realize till after she left that one of the girls at the from the King of Diamonds was at Kelts. 
That's one of my favorite stories. Just talking my ear off, and, and I bought her a couple drinks, yeah. and then she left, and then everybody in there was like, she should have been buying you drinks, motherfucker. <laughs> what the fuck? She's loaded. <laughs> she, she uh, Dorothea Puente'd you. She Puente'd me all the way to the bank. That I Punta Puente'd yeah, me. She... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. It was a learning experience. Well, Dorothea's a... Uh... A little bit different than that lady. Absolutely, here. she that that girl was pretty funny. <laughs> the flirting at the bar eventually morphed into Dorothea bringing random men back to her in Axel's house while he was away. The neighbors would inform Axel when he returned home that strange men were coming and going from their home at all hours of the night. <laughs> this in turn enraged Axel, and he would take his anger out on Dorothea by physically beating her. Fuck. This cycle repeated itself over the next few years. As time progressed, her drinking was getting so bad that it started to affect her memory, and oftentimes she couldn't keep her story yeah, straight. Yeah, that's tough for a, for a compulsive liar. <sighs> but her immense lying ended up creating an interesting situation for Dorothea. Eventually, after Dorothea would tell strangers about her life in Mexico, being saved in the Philippines, her husband Fred dying, her life as a chef, her life as a rockette, her life as a Hollywood actress that she told some people. God damn. Um, they wanted to know what she was currently doing for work, okay? Well, she started to inform people that she was actually a holistic doctor now. <laughs> the lie about being a holistic doctor... <laughs> This is so freaking. This is this is him to a teen. I'm sorry. This is Lisper. This is him to a fucking teen. This is Matt Lisper. <laughs> the lie about being a holistic doctor somewhat worked for her because her home was littered with books on medicine, <laughs> and she had an abnormally high amount of drug bottles. Uh, the lie eventually started to spread throughout the neighborhood, and Dorothea soon found people coming to her home oh, seeking her advice for medical care. Jesus. Dorothea would diagnose them and prescribe them medications or re recommend cures to her patients. <laughs> While Axel was happy that his wife was making friends around the community, <laughs> he was a little worried because Dorothea had never once mentioned to him about <laughs> medical training, and she was handing out her pills to her patients, just fucking just throwing them at him. <laughs> so he was kind of worried she was going to end up killing somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> When Axel asked her about her medical expertise, Dorothea wove a tale about all the medical training she had received back in Mexico. Jesus she Christ. Used <laughs> well, how does she have all this time? She's 20 years old. She's 20. She's a holistic doctor, a rockette, a sushi chef. <laughs> Most interesting man in the world right now. She claims that in Mexico, she used to travel to remote villages and hand out med medication. So mm. this... This whole holistic doctor thing, not even a big deal. Yeah, this is not even a medicine, really. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, this was the final straw for Axel. He had had enough of all of her lies and stories because none of it was making any sense. No, it doesn't add up. <laughs> so in 1961, Axel did what he believed was the proper thing to do at the time and had his wife committed at San Francisco Marina Hospital. God damn it. That is not the right thing to do. 
in the 1960s mental health care was poor to say the least and if it wasn't for Axel directly intervening Dorothea was set to be surgically sterilized through the facility's eugenics program. Whoa, we had eugenics in the 60s? I guess, well, you know what? Uh, I've seen that part of the Nick. That part's really disturbing. Yeah, well, I thought that got wiped away after Hitler because, Uh, I mean, eugenics is like a wholly American idea, but Hitler took it to the extreme. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was so early still they didn't That's realize crazy. he was sterilizing mental oh, health patients. Oh, they realized for... ev- they <laughs> well, knew everything maybe because they, they were Nazis <laughs> <laughs> also. You, uh, they loved him. I don't I don't know. Apparently they, the doctors were just going to do it. God um, Sterilize him. But Axel's like, no, 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 don't do that. Jesus. It's fucked up. That's I mean, really I hate up. it. I hate <laughs> it. But she doesn't need to be having more kids. No, to... she's not done either. <laughs> Eventually, the doctors at the hospital diagnosed Dorothea as having undifferentiated schizophrenia. Mm. We have to keep in mind that they didn't use words like sociopath or narcissist, so when they realized that Dorothea had trouble separating her lies from reality and was lacking any real emotional empathy for those around her, they just put her under the schizophrenic umbrella. Okay. The doctors told her that she needed to quit drinking so much because they believe it was only exacerbating her schizophrenia. And that's the problem is they feel that it, it, uh, medic, that's like their self medication, right? It only makes, it can only make it worse. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Bipolar's the same. Drinking's not good for fucking, (laughs) if you have a, like drinking a lot, if you have mental problems, it's not good. good. Having the occasional beer or glass of wine or shot is not bad, but. Like binge drinking and constant drinking is not good. I was literally just talking about this um, to some of my coworkers yesterday. How I, I don't drink very often. Like I literally usually only have like two beers while you're here. That's it. Uh, and when I used to drink more, I remember the following day. I I always feel like in the darkest place in my fucking life. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes you to the just like that mentally dark place. And if you're really bad and you're doing this constantly. You're never going to escape that. Well, that's you're always running from it. That's why you yeah. keep drinking yeah. to, so you don't go back there. You wake up, you have a drink. You, that's Horrible. just how she goes. Horrible cycle. Mm-hmm. Horrible cycle. <laughs> and the, 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 the worst part is, is you become dependent on it. You need yeah. it. Your brain and your body needs it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a poison. It's a monkey on your back. <laughs> just go to a therapist. Go to please. a fucking therapist. And don't quit cold turkey. If you're drinking yeah. all the time, you will have a seizure and die. <laughs> Dude, get Get help. Well, not everybody, but it's recommended you do. Get that. help. If you're a constant drinker, there's a good chance you're going to have DT mm. seizure. Mm. Whew. After she was released from the hospital, it was the final nail in the coffin for their marriage. After Axel forced her to be committed, Dorothea found herself being completely unable to forgive him and actually was coming to resent him for it. So one day when Axel headed out to sea, Dorothea would pack up her belongings and just quietly quietly, <laughs> quietly leave. I don't know why that was so fucking hard. Uh, Axel would return home to find that his wife no longer lived there. Oh, Axel. You didn't help much. You oh, did save God. her from getting sanitized, but you, or I mean. Uh, he was an asshole. Yeah, he beat the shit out of he her. He was and, an asshole. They were both, they were both assholes. assholes. It's yeah. terrible. I hate it. 
Once again, all alone, Dorothea took her belongings and what little cash she had and moved to Sacramento. Okay. So from San Fran to Sacramento? Not a long journey. Not too far. Not too far. But a whole new world, especially in the 60s. The natural inclination would have been for Dorothea to return to the sex trade, but she was much older now and viewed herself as more of a businesswoman. So she would seek out some of the local girls working in the area. Pimpin'. And decided to set up a brothel. Pimpin'. <laughs> the appeal of the house was where one's desires could be had at all hours of the day in a safe place for the girls to work. Sex work was good in the 60s because all of the men desperate, desperately trying to maintain the upstanding citizen appearance felt they needed a little escape in the form of female companionship. And it's just nice to be with a girl sometimes. Yeah. Well... I mean, if you're married and you have all these kids, then your wife might not, like, lick your ass or whatever. Oh, yeah, I I didn't really think about that. They wanted something freakier than what they were getting at home. I was just thinking about lonely dudes. No, no, no. These are, like, married dudes. You're right. Who, like, are like, I need something else. To be an upstanding nuclear family man. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly for Dorothea, her brothel didn't last very long because one of the local girls who wanted to work at her brothel, Dorothea, had turned away. In a fit of anger, that girl decided to give the cops of Sacramento a tip about the brothel located on Fulton Street. Narc. The cops sent an undercover detective dressed as a trucker looking to have a good time. (laughs) This is fucking so silly. Now, ironically, none of the working girls within the house wanted to talk with him. Which would which should have left their sting operation to be doomed to fail. But Dorothea, not wanting to leave an unsatisfied customer, offered to fillet the lonely trucker for a discounted price. <laughs> she got arrested for being a half price whore. <laughs> I just am envisioning this in my head, like, come here, honey, I'll suck you off for half price. I feel bad for you, you weirdo trucker, let me blow you for half price. <laughs> I'm here to purchase sex from the ladies. <laughs> I am a truck driving yeah. man. <laughs> I have drove my truck long ways, I'm here to... And they're like, where's your semi? Like, I don't have one, I, I walked here. <laughs> I just I couldn't quit laughing when I read that. It's just like, oh, You're honey, come here, I'll fillet you for half. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I guess she's a good madam in the end. Hell but yeah, she doesn't day. want to leave. I mean, that's a bad Yelp review if that trucker <laughs> walks out unblown. <laughs> okay. Oh Jesus. As to be expected, Dorothea was promptly arrested <laughs> and taken to the police station. Dorothea was adamant. That she wasn't a sex worker, nor a madam of the brothel. Instead, she was just at the house visiting a friend. <laughs> and noticed the lonely trucker not getting blown by any of the horse. And she felt so bad for him that she offered, <laughs> offered herself up. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently she was telling her. I was just walking by. <laughs> he looked sad. I had to blow for half the going rate. Well, here's the here's the best part is like she was telling her fucking public service or public service fucking defense lawyer this story too, and I'm just like, why are you telling him that? Tell him the truth. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> 
dumb fucking idiot. <laughs> She's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> She's so ridiculous. I think I just had a hernia. That I hurt. Think so. that you hurt. were laughing pretty hard over there. Oh, okay. Of course, they weren't buying any of that story, and she would eventually be sentenced to serve 90 days for prostitution. Now, whether it was from California law or a feather law, Dorothea soon found out she couldn't be released from jail unless she provided the state with a fixed address. Wow. So she set out to try to contact Axel to have him verify her address, but Axel was in the process of filing divorce papers and wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, I bet he was like, you can just stay right there. <laughs> yeah, actually. it, it kind of goes to show how delusional Dorothea was because she truly believed that Axel was going to drop everything he was doing simply to come rescue her. Like, she really thought he was going to do this. I don't like to say this because it's demeaning, but she is fucking crazy. <laughs> she, she is, is crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's very nuts. And it's, uh, you know, like, it's worse for me. Or, so, but because Axel didn't help her out, after she was, after she served her 90 days... She was immediately arrested again for vagrancy for not providing them with an address so Dorothea would have to serve another another 90-day stint. Here's a problem, though. How are you going to get an address if you're in jail? I, I, it's such a weird thing. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm guessing they can't do this anymore. But um, Or they have to release you into, like, you have to get accepted into a halfway house program yeah. or something like well, that. Here, yeah, here's the interesting thing. Okay, if you don't give them an address, you get vagrancy. Wouldn't, shouldn't you continuously just keep getting vagrancy then? That's what would happen. You would get yeah. released and arrested the same day. Yeah, So, but they only do it with two or one time, so I don't... I don't know. Maybe she did get released. Actually, you know what? I might have a reason. We'll get to why she got released. Hold I bet on. she finds somebody that could give her an address. Uh, even though Dorothea would find herself serving way more time than she expected, she decided to start making some connections in prison. Now, as to be expected, Dorothea would regale her prison mates with her fictional stories, or at least partially fictional stories. When she started to tell people about her being a holistic doctor, some of the inmates figured she could help them. Go to the prison doctor. Beca and because of all of her medical knowledge that she had now memorized, her fellow inmates viewed her as a health expert. <laughs> She's really just a textbook. She doesn't know what any of it means. No, she just she memorized it. She literally regurgitates the shit she reads, honestly. This eventually led to some of her contacts in jail helping her get a job as a nurse's aide after she was released. That's so, how she got out. I was just mm -hmm. going to say that didn't hit me, but yes, that's probably how she got out. As a nurse's aide, she would effectively head to the homes of the elderly or disabled that were no longer able to take care of no, themselves. No, she's going to rob them and kill them and stuff, I think. Uh, yes, it's going to be very tragic. Uh, she would be responsible for feeding them. Yeah, I bet. Making sure they took their medications and oftentimes just to keep them company. It wasn't the most exciting job and the pay wasn't great, so eventually... Dorothea figured out a few ways that she could start to exploit the system and the patients. She would start off doing small things like cooking herself meals with her clients' food so she wouldn't have to buy her own food, but most of the clients didn't care because at least there was someone willing to chat with them. I wouldn't mind, especially if she made me a food mm. of my own of my own food. Yeah, oh, she had to make food for them all. She just made herself food Perfect. as well. Perfect, yeah, so. and then just sit and have a meal with yeah. me. I don't yeah. give a shit. I didn't care. 
Dorothea then started to pocket some of her clients' medications. If anyone happened to ask any questions, she would just claim that they must have gotten misplaced or accidentally thrown away while she was cleaning, Mm. and the doctors wouldn't argue about filling a new prescription for the clients. Dorothea then started to steal a few drinks from her client's liquor cabinets to keep herself entertained while she was forced to stay there. You gotta keep the buzz going, yeah. (laughs) Dorothea then began to steal any loose money she would spot in the homes of her clients. And because of the current condition of a lot of these patients, most of them wouldn't even notice her doing any of those things because they were just so out of it. Yeah, they were adult. They're old. Also because Dorothea had such a charming personality and was able to readily convince her patients that she cared so much for them, it wasn't long before some of her clients started to trust Dorothea to cash their pension or social security checks. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Dorothea was smart about stealing from her clients' pension or social security checks. She would only steal a little, and more often than not, it was from the most vulnerable of people, so they wouldn't even notice that she was doing, which is really despicable, to be honest. It's (laughs) despicable, but it's like if that money, I know exactly what you mean, where it's not already spoken for with Mm -hmm. bills, if it's just going to be going into a savings account, that's where she would embezzle off of. Well, she would... They were giving her the money because she was supposed to buy them stuff. Gotcha. She was like the personal shopper. She's the gopher and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And instead she was like, oh, I'll just take some of this money. <laughs> Trust me, this scheme gets a lot worse. I a guarantee. A lot yeah. worse. Now, an interesting thing that Dorothea did during her time as a nurse's aide was try to garner sympathy She wanted to experience the same level of sympathy that her patients were able to being that most of them were dying currently. Mm. With a job like a nurse's aide, Dorothea crossed paths with a lot of social workers, and Dorothea loved to inform them of the different ailments she was currently suffering from, such as breast cancer, cancer of the liver, a brain tumor, or any other fatal illness. The worst part was... She couldn't keep her story straight and sometimes within the same day would tell the same person a different version of the exact same story. Uh, So you'd think a behavior like this might raise some red flags, but uh, because she was such a good worker and her clients really liked her, they just assumed she was nothing more than an eccentric woman. Yeah, she's just a weirdo. Yeah. And she's so fucking high and drunk. Mm. Off pills and booze. <laughs> she just can't think. Well, f- we're about to talk about it, but we're pretty sure she doesn't take the pills for herself. Oh, she resells? Uh, not even that. Okay. Actually, hold on. We'll talk about it. Now, as mentioned earlier, she was stealing medication from some of her clients. But what was the purpose of her doing this? Well, wow, we really got right to it. Was she a pill popper? Was she selling them? Well, she actually took them for probably the worst of reasons. Dorothea will become masterful when it comes to drugging people. Mm. And during her time as a nurse's aide, she began to dose those she was supposed to be taking care of. She achieved this by either giving them extra pills, and they wouldn't even notice, slipping it into their food or slipping it into cocktails or alcoholic drinks. The best, probably the best way to do it because it's already bitter. Well, they really leaned on the fact that her Mexican food has so many spices in it, like any pills in there you wouldn't even taste completely them. untraceable yeah. yeah 
During this time, at least, she did this so they would just go to sleep and wouldn't notice that she was just lounging around their house all day or she would drug them so they wouldn't notice as she was rummaging through their home looking for stuff to steal. Wow. Dorothea would continue this cycle until ni- 1966 when she officially retired from being a nurse's aide. She's not that old, is she? No, she is not. Now, we don't know for certain if she was a direct result of any of her clients' deaths during this time as a nurse's aide, but we do know a few of them certainly did pass away while under her care. So Let's just say she, she might have helped a few along. Yeah, sped them up a little bit here. Dorothy was only about 40 years old at this point, but could easily be, be mistaken for a woman in her late 50s or 60s Damn. as uh, she was aging rapidly. Hard drinking. <laughs> That's hard drinking. The hard life and hard drinking right there. Dorothea once again found herself longing for companionship. It had been quite some time since Axel and her had split up, and like almost anyone, Dorothea wanted to find somebody to love her. But love isn't the only thing Dorothea was looking to accomplish. Dorothea had accumulated a healthy little nest egg of wealth that uh, she had stolen from her clients and envisioned establishing her very own little boarding house. Oh! She could fill this home with the elderly, homeless, or disabled people that were all receiving those delicious Social Security checks that she loved so much. And that's uh, where we're going to pick up. I'm part two, right there. Wow, she became a nursing home because that's what those are today. I guess, uh, if you want to call it that, yeah. but yes, it's <laughs> that's a very grim, terrible. Uh, very grim nursing home. What an absolute bitch! Yeah, she... Dorothea Puente, you are a monster. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till you see the Instagram picture of her. She is. Looks Cuter like, than a button. She kind of looks like the Crypt Keeper. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's fucking old when she gets arrested. Oh, um, but and she already looks 60 and she's 40. So Yeah, like you said, all that hard-ass drinking. Hard drinking. Like, uh, so you can kind of see the racket forming that oh. she's about to... Oh, uh, not kind of. I, can, <laughs> yeah. it's, I got my floodlights on. Yeah, it. you know what the ironic thing about this is? Um, I think it was last year, maybe the year before that, Pip sent me this video about a couple who live in a home where a serial killer lived. Uh, this That was Dorothy Puente's home. Really? Yeah. And we'll learn about where she hides all the bodies next week. Next Fantastic. Week's not, next week's not going to be quite as funny. It's okay. Gonna be- Going to be a lot of Well, uh, I murder. hope it's a little bit funny because oh, this it, was pretty fucking funny. It will be a little funny simply because of how insane she yeah. is. But, mm-hmm. uh, oh. but yeah, how yeah, are you feeling about ride. Dorothea? You scared, you scared of her a little bit? I'm scared of her. She's <laughs> definitely got the tools in place to go where she's going. Yeah. She certainly has the manipulation and, and everything she needs. Oh, man. She is. I don't know. I Like, you kind of feel bad because it's like one of the worst childhoods I've ever fucking heard in my life. But. She's also scum. Yeah, I was going to say, she is a bitch amongst bitches. Holy shit, she's fucked up. Yeah, she's also absolute vile scum. Like, robbing people who can't help themselves, like... That's the worst sin of all. It should be. Fuck murder. That's the worst sin of all. Taking advantage of people that... It's like 
you know, raping kids. It's the same fucking. It's uh, taking just, candy from a baby. It's just wait. She she's she's got a very intricate system of taking care of like the worst of people. She turns it into a business. Yeah. Oh. Yes, she right. does. Great. Yes, she certainly well, does. Well, Dorothea, we will see you in part two. Oh, Cody, yeah. fantastic job. Thank you. If you want to tell us how good part one was, you can leave us a form response on our website. It comes to us exactly like in email. Mm. That's bumblebuttpodcast.com. Go there. While you're there, click on the merch, buy a shirt, buy whatever you want. Uh, another good thing you can do, go to Instagram.com slash Podcast, Twitter.com slash Pod. Follow us there for uh, exciting updates and good conversation. Hell yeah. Which uh, there's always a, a nice little conversation in the comments section. Uh, another great thing you really, really want to do is bop that follow button on Spotify, turn on notifications, download all the episodes as soon as they come out, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We have no written ones this week. No. But we will next week. Hell yeah. Yeah, remember, uh, this is just a warning for all you out there. The Satanists get most powerful at night. And the, and it's Our strongest night. at night. Yes. And the night is when you don't leave iTunes reviews. It's getting dark for us, <laughs> and the Satanists are most powerful. They're, you're going to have to be careful when you drive home. I'm, I'm worried about it. You've got to look out for little idols. I was, hoping, I was hoping I could sneak out the door before the dusk hit, but uh, Miss Puente kept no. us entertained for far too long. <laughs> uh, great. That's fantastic. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. I told you all there would be another one this week, but there won't be. It'll be next week. Yes. Next time a new episode comes out, I'll have, I'll have it prepared, and it'll be great. Right. Uh, things got away from me with the Zach Bagan adventure. That's okay. Uh, Las Vegas, what a fantastic <laughs> town. Go there. You, you uh, time traveled a little. You need to this recover. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly what happened. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for all of us here at the Bumblebutt Podcast. My name has been Adam. That's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. Satanists are strong as <laughs>